Happy. We are back with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it's episode number 450. Yet another milestone episode. Uh, 450. Wow. Um, and we're recording live on uh, Monday morning, February the 3rd. Abriana, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm uh, recovering from bad Super Bowl food, but uh, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, not literally bad, but you know. Not the healthiest choices. Yeah, there was a lot of wings yesterday uh, at the party I was at. So, but uh, yeah, it was it was good. It was a good game, and uh, I, I'm I'm happy with the outcome. So, you know, especially for our our, our friend Tanner uh, who works for the Chiefs. So, um, you know, congrats to him and uh, and the organization. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't really have a strong preference in who won, although I did think it was really cool that the first uh, female NFL coach was there at the Super Bowl. I didn't get to see much coverage of her. Um, they didn't like really show her face too often, or maybe I was just distracted in those moments, but I was trying to explain you know, to my five-year-old like how important this is, and this is like a historical moment, and you know, so uh, yeah. I don't know. She was like, yeah, I just want to do the halftime show. Like I want to be a performer. I have no interest in coaching. A sport. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah, like, you know, right, I'll just, well, I'll just dance and sing mom. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'm doing good. How are you doing? You're about I'm to great. get I'm, out I'm of great. here. It, it was a, it was a super busy uh, weekend. Uh, obviously, um, you know, just lots going on. We have a huge week this week. Um, I'm off to London tonight. Uh, we're, raising capital for the new company. So I've got a bunch of investor meetings there and, and then in Germany and then at, towards the end of the week on Thursday, I'll hook up with Karsten and the team for our annual LOCA conference, which is the LVMA's uh, European event. So that's on uh, the 6th. And, uh, and then we've got a retail tour on Friday as well. So uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a busy, busy time. We're on the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, it was a good Super Bowl. And you know, the other sort of milestone for for Canadians in particular is one of the players on the Chiefs um, uh, is not only a, a great player, obviously, to be able to play in the Super Bowl, but he's also the first player who's also a, a medical doctor. Um, so wow. you know, while he, while he's been playing football, at the same time he was in the off season completing his medical uh, degree in uh, at McGill University here in Montreal. So uh, you know, that's pretty cool, right? That's really impressive, yes. That's like brains and bronze all, all together. So I know. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. So there you go. Um, all right, let's jump into it. We've got a, a, a good show, some interesting stories this week. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories. Nice and easy and simple. And as always, Aubriana will kick us off. All right. Well, we've heard a lot from Pinterest lately, it seems. You know, they've been doing a lot of new innovative things. Um, and this may not be necessarily new, but it's new for them. And uh, I put on my red lipstick for this particular story today because they have launched um, AR makeup try-on feature. And so basically it's like a, you know, augmented reality feature that allows you to try on um, lipsticks on their mobile app. So you can use, um, you know, it's their, it's called their lens, right? It's powered by lens. And so you can try it on so it'll like, and kind of recommend which shades may be best for you. Um, and then you can try on lipstick from Estee Lauder, Sephora, Bare Minerals, Neutrogena, L'Oreal, NYX, um, YSL, as well as Lancome and Urban Decay. So lots of choices there. 
So if you are looking, you know, in the market for a new shade of lipstick, open up your Pinterest app and you can try it on there. Um, what's interesting is that they, uh, Pinterest reported a, a pretty cool metric that said that 42% of their global audience has seen or engaged uh, with the beauty pin in the last month. So, you know, they obviously skew more towards a female audience most of the time. And I think that that's probably changing slowly, but surely. Um, but I think this is great. You know, this is definitely tailored towards their audience. It's something that you'll use. Um, I mean, for me personally, I don't want to go to a beauty store to try on lipstick. It's kind of gross. So if I could just use an app and kind of get the exact shade that I want and know what it's going to look like on my skin tone, um, and it works and all of that jazz, then I'm game for it. So I need to try this out later or next time I'm looking for a new shade of lipstick. But uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's a, it, it's a good move for Pinterest. I think that uh, obviously it appeals to their core audience, which is primarily women, although that is shifting, as we've talked about in the past. Um, and, and I think that, uh, f you know, overall, I think what I like about it is just one in a series of partnerships, relationships that they're building that really turns Pinterest not into just a, a place to browse and search and find cool things that you can sort of bookmark for later or create your boards and all of that, but to actually create commerce and, and revenue um, you know, for organizations where people can kind of see the things and buy the things directly in that sort of marketplace type environment that they're creating. Um, that I think is really exciting because I think that uh, in a lot of ways, it's kind of, um, you know, what Groupon hoped to be back in the day, right? You know, sort of this big marketplace, trying to drive revenue, take a piece off the top, you know, for a lot of businesses. Now, these are bigger brands than what Groupon was working with typically, but I think that, um, you know, the visual aspects of it in terms of, of search and, uh, and then the ability to kind of, you know, see what it's like on you and then further translate that to potential purchases I think uh, is, is brilliant so I, I, I got nothing bad to say about this I think it's a, it's a good uh, a good story all around so there you go Pinterest try on some lipstick all right next story now this is going back in time for me so um, you know as a child of the 70s kind of you know growing up in the 80s um, you know I uh, I can remember quite fondly uh, Atari uh, and their, their gaming platforms and, you know, had a number of, of uh, gaming platforms, uh, you know, as a, as a young person and playing games like Donkey Kong and, you know, combat and, you know, all those types of things, um, space invaders and, and whatnot. And so, uh, you know, while that brand Atari has sort of faded from, uh, you know, sort of the, uh, you know, our, our, uh, kind of world today, um, it's not really in the consciousness of, of most people. Uh, it's still around, it was acquired by a French company um, a few years back and they're trying to sort of bring it back and kind of tie into the nostalgia of what's going on now. And it's interesting because I was just talking to somebody the other day, like when you look at fashion right now and you look at you know, design and furniture and, and everything, it seems to be like there's this movement back to like the 70s type of stuff. I, I see discos coming back and music now, all this kind of stuff, right? So it, maybe gaming's part of that too. I don't know, but there's this kind of movement backwards in time a little bit. And uh, so anyways, the French company that now owns the brand has decided that they're going to get into the hotel business. And their first hotel will be in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, it's called Atari Hotels. 
and basically it's a it's sort of like a gaming themed uh, hotel um, and so you kind of go in there and they're blending you know uh, uh, AR and VR and you know just creating all kinds of cool experiences and where you can kind of like stay in the place and play the games and kind of live the games almost um, in the whole environment uh, so it's kind of interesting and um, the uh, they plan more hotels in Las Vegas Denver Chicago Austin Seattle San Francisco and San Jose um, no specific dates for those but they've got a bunch of cities they've identified as, as markets that they're going after once they kind of launch the, uh, the Phoenix one um, you know and uh, you know I think they they referenced MGM and doing a lot of work in the article I was reading in this area as well with Luxor and kind of going after the uh, uh, esports market and you know there, there, there seems to be a big movement around you know, events, you know, for watching people play video games. Um, and I know uh, they uh, they had a tournament called League of Legends uh, at MGM uh, at the Luxor there. 4,000 people stayed at the hotel coming in to kind of watch that. So it does drive traffic. I think there is an audience for it. Um, in the same article it mentions, uh, in your neck of the words, uh, the Mall of Georgia uh, in, in Buford there is... Uh, building the world's sort of first dedicated esports venue, uh, two levels, 13,000 square feet. Uh, so, so there's a movement around this. And I think if you can tie sort of esports and gaming, and you know, maybe there is a play for sort of Atari from a brand perspective anyways, to make a comeback. So I think it's interesting and, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see how it plays out, I guess. Yeah. I find it interesting that they're starting with Phoenix. You know, I didn't, I wouldn't, pick out Phoenix, Arizona as like a top, you know, gaming location or I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Vegas obviously does make sense to me. Um, and I, you know, I agree. I know that here in Atlanta, we have like a, some type of an esports team, even a female um, esports team, I believe. And it was really interesting. My, uh, my friend was like a little bit more involved in it. And he was just sharing with me, like, you know, these gamers actually need like therapy they need like cryo because their their joints and like their fingers and wrists are like really sore from playing and um so i mean it's like a legit team right like you have these teams that yeah. are playing and it's really interesting that this is such a large movement that's happening um but i like the idea of making it like a destination and you know attracting people and like you said like what's old is new again and that's sort of been the trend for a lot of different things um lately so uh i think this is interesting we'll see how it goes i'm not a gamer but i would check out an atari hotel maybe maybe that's like phoenix is where all people go to retire right so those that older generation that would still remember atari is, is living there right i don't know is atari age like retiring already i don't not think quite that not old. quite i think it's more like uh probably like you know 50 to 60 is kind of the prime for atari yeah, Atari was right before me. I was more Nintendo. <clears throat> yeah. Nintendo was my jam. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Well, interesting. Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about um, ad tech now and sort of this attribution measurement that we talk about often. Um, a company called ZenReach is promoting their metric, which they're calling walkthrough uh, for the ad tech industry. And, I mean, I guess this... and 
in some way, shape or form is very similar or the same as footfall traffic or, you know, something that you can attribute to a store in store visit. Um, but they announced that they measured a record 8.6 million walkthroughs last year in, in 2019. And so a walkthrough is recorded basically when a customer visits a retail location within seven days of seeing a digital ad um, for that business. So it's interesting that they are putting a time frame on it. Um, and so what ZenReach does, which I thought was kind of interesting, is they're actually using the retailer's Wi-Fi signal um, to kind of measure this and, and to know when patrons visit one of their stores. So what I like about this is I think the approach is very measurable and it makes sense because with pure GPS signals and in-app location signals, like you're gonna get spotty at best if you're in a strip mall, unless it's like a big box retailer, that's kind of standalone. Um, but what I think that this also does is it's going to be very limiting um, in terms of how often they can actually see that signal because they're gonna have to be in-app somewhere in order to get that Wi-Fi signal from that particular device. So um, I think this is kind of like a double-edged sword where like on one side, or I guess two sides of the coin, maybe not double-edged sword, but two sides of the coin where you're saying like on one side, it's great in terms of how accurate it can be, but on the other side, you're going to probably decrease the reach that um, this approach may have. So um, the point being, I think here is that Obviously, companies are still trying to figure out how to measure attribution, um, what are the time constraints they want to put on it, and really, I think ultimately, it's up to the advertiser, right, and how they want to measure it. So, um, I think some, you know, some things like a coffee might be a shorter tail type of a, you know, an attribution play where you maybe want to say within a day or two, um, or within a few hours, whereas you may say like with a car or you know, a an appliance, it might be a longer tail sale because people are doing more research and checking things out a little bit more but all in all interesting ad tech still trying to figure it out how do we measure how do we say what led people to where and and their uh path to purchase yeah i, I mean I, an interesting story i mean obviously ZenReach is one of the guys that's you know been a long time player well established company in the in the wi-fi uh segment of our industry um you know i i think you and I have talked a lot on the show lately with, you know, changes in, in privacy regulations and so on. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, we're going to see, you know, companies drop out. We're going to see a lot of guys who rely purely on, on app based uh, SDK type data, um, you know, sort of uh, diminish significantly, I think, um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, we'll have to find a new balance. Right. And I think some of that will come from Wi-Fi, Some of that will come from IP data. Some of it will come from other places that, um, you know, just, you know, don't have the same, um, restrictions yet anyways, uh, on, uh, on some of these other things. Right. And, um, and I think that's a good thing. So, so I think that, uh, you know, more accurate, uh, or, you know, better accuracy in the data is, is, is super important. I th it may mean overall, we have less sources of data, um, and, and, um, you know, and less devices we're seeing even, but, at the end of the day, I think you know having a, a truer picture is what's important, and I think this this goes a long way to, to kind of helping that. Um, you know, and and I think the Wi-Fi piece is an important one. I think you know talk to guys like you know our friends over at uh, at Skyhook or others, and um, and they'll tell you um, you know are going all the way back in my world to you know you know the days of Boingo and and Jaiwire before they they shifted. Um, 
you know, the business models. But uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot that can be derived from this. Even our friends at, uh, at Yelp, um, you know, Devin and team, you know, at Built Turnstile with, you know, doing Wi-Fi based analytics for restaurants and then kind of selling that into the Yelp team. And, and, and that's still a big part of their business, right? So I think there's a lot of data that can be derived from Wi-Fi. And I think the nice thing about it is, is that for, from a consumer perspective, most of these people going in, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's an exchange. It's a value, uh, you know, exchange. So they're, they're giving, you know, their data in exchange for, you know, public Wi-Fi access, right, um, in a lot of cases. And I think that's an acceptable trade-off for, for a lot of folks, whereas a lot of these apps that are just collecting data, they're not. So, um, so yeah, and uh, as far as the metric is concerned, I think it's important when the industry absolutely needs, you know, more attribution. Um, you know, it reminds me in a lot of ways to, you know, they call it a walkthrough rate. You know, our friends at Place IQ, you know, have their PVR, their place visit rate. Um, you know, there's a number of these these things uh, out there. But uh, metrics are important. The industry needs them. Um, and we need new ways to to measure and, and you know, attribute. So, cool. Zen reach. All right. That's our three industry news stories uh, for this week. Uh, we'll shift over now to what some of our members have been up to. And uh, I'll kick it off with our friends at L'Oreal. Um, this one's super interesting to me and sort of in the same vein as, as your first story with Pinterest, we're, we're talking about obviously the, the makeup uh, cosmetics industry here. At CES earlier this year, L'Oreal announced a, um, an offering that they call Perso. Um, and Perso is a personalized skincare uh, app uh, platform. It uses um, artificial intelligence to deliver personalized recommendations. Uh, so basically the way it works is you take a photo with your smartphone uh, and then it uses um, the ModiFace technology. So this was an acquisition we actually talked about on the show, I think maybe a year or two ago now, uh, that L'Oreal had made. Um, and it analyzes uh, your overall skin condition from wrinkles and lines to dark spots and pores and everything else. And here's the cool part. It then uses geolocation technology to consider environmental conditions, the weather, the pollen, the humidity all around you in real time uh, to then come up with, you know, sort of the best recommendation it, it can based on, you know, uh, pigmentation and, and other things uh, that it can detect from, uh, you know, from what it's analyzed. So super cool, uh, super like, you know, what, here's what I like about it. While as an industry, we're moving sort of like, it seems away from the sort of one-to-one, -one, you know, type of early days of location. Here's an offer, here's a coupon. People are kind of pushing away from that. And, uh, you know, a lot of the privacy uh, regulations have kind of forced that to happen. And so overall, we're moving to more audience-based targeting. Personalization can still happen um, when it's in, in this type of framework, where it's not like, here's a coupon, here's an offer, Ever. here's something to help you understand what's going to make your life personally better um, and uh, so that I like how they use the technology in that way and I think again it's a it's an acceptable exchange of value uh, in the relationship between the brand and the consumer yeah I really like this I mean anything that can make my face look better I am you know all for sharing my location <laughs> um but i like this yeah i think this is really interesting and i like how they are considering the environmental factors and you know the humidity because what works for west coast me would not work for east coast me and um you know winter me is different than summer me and you know your skin is is 
always changing. And so I think that um, the location and, and all of the other factors that they're taking into consideration are really, really cool. And um, I think this is a valuable partnership and, and definitely, you know, delivering something of value to the consumer. So I am going to try this out as well. Lipstick cool. and face care. There are lots to do this week in terms of- I know, out. it's all about my face, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, um, well, something not about faces, but about Havas has um, actually partnered with a company called Moving Walls. Um, so this is more, um, not in the, not in North, North America here, but um, we're actually moving. So Havas Group's out of home brand, which is called Ad City. Um, specifically is partnering with Singapore-based ad tech company, which is called Moving Walls. So what they're doing is this is going to enable Havas slash Ad City um, to have greater precision and track ROI on their out-of-home and digital out-of-home efforts. Um, so basically, you know, we've talked about this before. This isn't something super new either. We've talked about this with Clear Channel and lots of other companies, um, but, you know, kind of measuring um things that will provide evidence-based outcomes for how well these ads are performing in their locations on where they are. And also give them a stronger understanding of audience behaviors and you know, who are the key consumers that they should be going after um, based on mobility, right? Um, so this is gonna be in Malaysia, Singapore, India, Indonesia, and the Philippines. And then they have hopes to extend it to uh, Thailand, Vietnam, Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand in the months to come. Um, so, you know, obviously, like we said, we've been talking about this for a long time. Outdoor advertising is really shifting away just like this kind of guests and, you know, methodology from traditional media. Um, obviously with the rise of location data, um, I don't know that it's kind of the rise and the fall of location data a little bit, but, um, also, you know, just the ability to leverage that in different areas and, and understanding, you know, um, paths of where people are going, coming from, going to, whether it's their school commute, work commute. Um, and who those audiences are, like what are their demographics, you know, is it male or female, um, you know, what are the ages and what are their other interests and behaviors on the weekends. And so getting a better understanding of, of all of that, I think really enables a brand or an advertiser to make sure that they're getting, you know, the best bang for their buck. And obviously Havas and Ad City want to deliver that for their clients, which are, you know, brands and retailers and, um, this makes sense. I also think that in these countries, um, maybe less so in Australia and New Zealand, but um, in the previously stated and mentioned countries, you're going to have less cultural aversion to sharing location data. So with that in mind, I think that you're going to have a lot of, um, you know, location data to sort of base these inferences off of and would give, um, you know, would give a lot more insight than just whatever, you know, government data may be available. Yeah, I, I think that that last point's really uh, really important. I, I think in, in in the APAC region in general, um, you know, there's a lot more flexibility um, than there is in North America and Europe at the moment, in terms of the availability of location data, the uh, less um, restrictions on on the privacy side. Uh, obviously, in, in markets like China, facial recognition is even mandatory for all citizens. Um, you know, and things like that. So, so I think when you're talking about out of home and measurement uh, around out of home, looking for ROI, we've seen a lot of these types of partnerships uh, lately. I think, you know, the old days of counting cars going by, uh, you know, billboards, you know, on the streets or people walking by, you know, in a manual fashion are long gone. And I think that, you know, it's much more effective, obviously, to do that 
uh, in today's world by looking at uh, the number of mobile devices passing by. We've seen partnerships between you know mobile operators and out-of-home companies, uh, AT&T, you know, and Clear Channel teaming up some years ago here in the U.S. market. Um, you know, and and just a number of these types of partnerships we've talked about lately, uh, really around just measurement, right? Um, and I think in the same way that we talked about the walkthrough rate, um, you know, you can talk about this in, in the out-of-home industry. Obviously, it's not Wi-Fi we're talking about here. It's app data or GPS data, um, you know, being blended together to kind of give you a picture of what's going on. But there's a lot that can be said for understanding the path that people travel, um, you know, the, the density and the frequencies and all those kinds of things to ultimately help you understand where's the, the best place to place, uh, you know, an out-of-home ad. And, and so I think that's really important. And, uh, I, you know, I think this will be a good partnership for, for Havas and uh, hopefully for Moving Walls too. So there you go. All right, final story. Uh, Google uh, has partnered with a Canadian company called Coconut Software. Now, here's an industry we don't often talk about on the show uh, as much anyways, is the financial services industry. Uh, and so Coconut's a well-known uh, player. They've been around since 2007. Uh, they're a appointment scheduling uh, platform for booking appointments uh, for financial services uh, types of companies, insurance and, and things like that. Um, and uh, so what they've done is, is they've teamed up with Google around this thing called Reserve with Google. And so now in the U.S., you can book your appointments uh, directly through Google Search, Google Maps, and a Google Assistant, uh, which is super interesting. And especially when you think about, uh, according to recent research from Google, 55% of all searches, uh, you know, are on mobile are related to, you know, are location-based uh, and generally result in a visit to the location within one hour uh, post-search. So if you think about numbers like that, and you think about, hey, I'm looking for somebody to do my taxes or I'm looking for somebody to do this or whatever, and you need to make an appointment, uh, being able to do that directly through Google Search, Google Maps, Google Assistant, uh, you know, and, and then obviously powered by Coconut Software. So think about Coconut Software for our audience as like open table for financial services reservations, okay? That, that's that's my analogy for the day. There you go. Um, and, and so here's an actual uh, uh, reference uh, case that they gave. So Jackson Hewitt Tax Service, which is a coconut uh, customer, they're the second largest tax preparation service in the U.S. They saw a 41% increase in booked appointments and tripled their conversation rate since they began using their software. So that's huge, right? Um, you know, and I think that uh, if you can just drive traffic directly, you know, uh, from a search query, for me, the, the, you know, powering this with voice too, as well will be an important piece of that. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think this is, this, this makes, it's a no brainer to me. So I like it. Yeah, I think this is super smart. I mean, we've talked a lot about the different things that Google's been rolling out lately within like the search and find and, um, you know, getting the hours and um, kind of the ad stuff that they're adding in. So this makes sense. It's a it's great for financial services, especially this time of year. People are starting to do their taxes and and need that. Um, but this would also be great for other industries as well. When you think of like spa services and you know wellness or you know chiropractic or um, you know, anything really that you're looking for. So I think that this is a, this is a great start, but I'd love to see them incorporate this um, and maybe open up that API to other systems, whether it be like MindBody or Booker or whatever people use um, as well. Um, and obviously like reservations, 
I don't know if they're doing that or not yet, but um, yeah, I, I think that those, those stats and the intent of search from mobile um, for when you're looking for a location and the fact that people are going within an hour is just, you know, it's crazy. It's a huge opportunity for these local businesses to drive um, traffic and obviously engage with new customers. So um, I think that these types of, uh, you know, features that they're, they, keep, they keep just rolling out week after week um, are really great. And it's nice to see something that, that even small businesses can take a little bit of advantage yeah. of with even a Google. So it's good. I like it. Awesome. So that's our show for this week. Um, thank you for listening and watching. You've been listening to episode number 450 of Location Weekly. We thank you as always. Uh, if you have story ideas, please reach out to us. Uh, find us on, uh, any one of the social media platforms, we're on all of them. And, uh, you know, if you're listening on some podcast platforms, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, whatever, um, you know, uh, give us uh, give us some likes, give us some stars, you know, uh, give us some feedback. We, we appreciate all of that. So thanks, everybody. Uh, have a great week. Gabriana, uh, we'll see you soon. And, uh, yeah, bye. Bye.